tonight I have a really great guest. She and I are meeting for the first time tonight. I have Chloe Liu. Um, she sings original rock and roll licks with a healthy repertoire of classic covers. Chloe's blend of soulful style and timeless themes make for songs that are sonically familiar but powerfully original. After releasing her first album in 2019 with her band, The Liddells, and winning Best Pop Album at the San Diego Music Awards in 2020, she is working on releasing a new single. So I'm going to bring her right on. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I realized I made a fatal error before we went on here. I didn't ask you to help me with the pronunciation of the names of your band. Oh, you got it all. Yeah, Chloe Lou okay, and I girls. hope I got that right. <laughs> That's like, that is one of my things that um, just like strikes fear in my heart all the time because working in like a, you know, corporate band and, you know, playing weddings and things like that, you've got to announce couples, people in the wedding party and everything. And I'm always super detailed about trying to get the, you know, correct pronunciations. Yeah. And one time we're doing this wedding, right? And I failed to do that because I just I had looked at the list and I thought, okay, I got this. I I I know all the their common names, right? So I get up to introduce the father and I introduce him as Julio. And everybody in the crowd is like, it's Julio. Oh. Like, <laughs> I can't tell if they're angry with me or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> And like of all the names, we are in Southern California. Come on. It yeah. the one time it's gonna be Julio. Yeah, it's the one time it's Jesus instead of Jesus exactly. or Julio instead of Julio. Right. Dang it. Exactly yeah. my luck. But anyway, welcome. Thank you so much for doing this. It's really great to have you and to meet Thanks you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I want to talk all about your um, album, which I've been listening to all day, and it's amazing. Um, but first, why don't you tell us kind of what you had going on pre-pandemic and kind of what, if anything, came to a screeching halt for you and what are some of the things that you've kind of transitioned into? Um, well, I was working four jobs, but my main one was as a musician, I was usually playing two to three times a week, um, just at bars and doing the regular thing. I would, I did a couple like uh, belly up shows and stuff like that too, but um, mainly just my regular, I had a lot of residencies at different restaurants and stuff uh, all over the county. Um, and of course, <laughs> when everything shut down, that all immediately stopped. And it's kind of funny to think about now because I was actually on a 10 day vacation and it was the first vacation I had decided and been able to take in years because my sister was having a baby. And I was freaking out because I was like, oh, I'm gonna, like I had to skip, it was right before the San Diego Music Awards were supposed to be happening. And um, I had been asked to do a bunch of showcases for that. And I had to turn them all down because I was going to be out of town and uh, they all, a lot of them ended up being canceled anyway, but. Um, Did the vacation was, happen though? Uh, sort of. No. <laughs> I mean, I was in San Francisco. Um, my sister was, her baby had not come yet. And uh, all of a sudden that Saturday, I feel like I had started getting 
a lot of cancellations and I was like, oh no, because when I was coming back, I was flying in and then that same morning I had a gig and then I had another gig in the afternoon and I had another gig that night. So I was like planning on all these back-to-back gigs when I got back and they were all being canceled and I was like, how am I going to pay my bills next month? Like I just moved in with Lauren and I was like, fine. I was like, I'm doing it. I'm making it. Most of my money was coming from gigging. I was also a bartender, which stopped too. And uh, a sound person, <laughs> which stopped as well. So um, you were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that all just, it, it was overnight, like everybody pretty much. And I flew back early from San Francisco because my sister, I mean, I wasn't going to be able to be in the in the um, hospital room with her at that point. And that was why I was there. Um, and I was just freaking out about financials. And I mean, we, I mean, as, as a semi-adult, <laughs> I live paycheck to paycheck still and, or was, and am still. And, um, so it was a little scary. Sorry, the dog is eating in the background. <laughs> and like those little crunching noises. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, so I was a gigging musician and, and working very regularly. And uh, yeah, the, I didn't really know what to do at first. And it's honestly taken me until about now to really figure that out. Yeah. Um, in September... I started, I'm also an artist, and so I started taking um, commissions for pet portraits, which kind of took off, and I was able to, like, supplement um, everything with with those, with those commissions, which has been actually really eye-opening to realize that, like, ah, okay, I can do this. Like, I still have, I'm still good at doing something. There was definitely a good six-month period of, like, what do, what do I do with my life now? <laughs> like I just yeah. figured it out. <laughs> now I've got to figure it all out again. Yes. So <laughs> I, I feel you, but yeah. Yeah, I, think, I think a lot of us are like that where it's like, we, we needed like 10 months of shock before we really got anything in gear for, for some of us, it takes a while for things to sink in. So <laughs> yeah, I kept thinking, well, it'll be over like next month, so it'll be fine. Like I can, I'll, I'll be fine. <laughs> Yep. It's all going to be good. Yeah. It is all going to be good where it just, it kind of, I don't know. Do you feel like we're kind of slowly ramping up and things are, we're headed towards the light? Are you feeling I, that? I do. I definitely don't feel like the regular gigging is going to come back the way it was for a while. Mm -hmm. That's what scares me is that like the places that I played regularly are no longer what they were and, or, or they're gone. Like bar pink is gone. And I was working as a sound person there and I was playing there usually about once a month. So that was hard to come to terms with. Definitely never thought that I would cry over a bar closing as much as I did. <laughs> and I did cause it, they became my family last year. And so it was, well, in 2019, I keep, completely skipping over 2020 when I talk about last year. I'm like, oh, last year, it's 2019. Anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a weird, yeah. It's just, 
still weird to come to terms with. It's weird to talk about because I haven't really talked about it much. Yeah, it truly is. Well, so with the with the bad, there was definitely some really, really good. You had your debut album come out and it won Best Pop Album at the San Diego Music Awards. So that is a pretty good debut, I would say. Yeah, it was surprising. I was surprised. Uh, <laughs> it was well, definitely- tell me all about it. Tell, who's on the album? How did it come to be? What was the writing process and everything? Um, so I write with mainly with um, a guy named Chris Davies, and he's a very he's a pretty prominent San Diego guitarist. He's one of those guys that is under the radar and is on all on a lot of people's albums, but a lot of people don't realize it. Um, he works a lot with the uh, with Al Howard's. Um, uh, project that he's doing right now. And uh, he was in the band, the Penetrators, uh, big San Diego punk band in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he and I started playing together like five years ago ish. Um, we were in a band called, well, we're still in it. We just haven't played in a year. Uh, the flop house playboys with uh Chris Sullivan from the farmers. Um, and uh, I had been offered a duo gig on Sunday afternoons with where it was just going to be like an acoustic style thing. And I had never done that before. And so I asked Davies to do that with me and in practicing our covers that we were doing, cause I was always just doing cover bands as a hobby mm-hmm. Um and working full-time jobs. <laughs> I was a HR administrator for a long time. Mm-hmm. But um he uh he asked me if I had any original music and I was like, well, I like kind of write songs and so he helped me finish some songs that I had written when I was in my early 20s and um I mean, I was still kind of in my early 20s then. But uh he and I wrote um we wrote the last song on the album or on the EP, um, The Story Is Over, and that was the first song we wrote together. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of two or three years, I had gotten married and kind of stopped doing so much music stuff. And that's a whole horrible <laughs> thing that doesn't need to be gone into. But the product of that was the EP. Um, I went through a really... Um, it was kind of an, uh, well, it wasn't kind of, it was a very abusive relationship. And I like a lot of people, you don't realize it's as bad as it is until you're out of it yeah. or until you write songs about it while you think right. you're happily married. <laughs> and then that's the other part that was, that's been interesting to go back over lyrics that I wrote while I was happily married. And, um, so yeah, after I um, split with my ex-husband, I moved back in with my grandparents and I wrote a lot of songs and um, Davies helped me finish those out. And then after years of kind of being holed up in the middle of no, I had moved out to Crest and been isolated from my family and my friends and hadn't been performing as much. I was just doing my regular once a month gig with a cover band that I'm no longer in. Mm -hmm. Um, I started to go out and 
sing with other bands and I started singing with Davies's other band called the um, Ron and the Reapers. And uh, it's with Ron Silva and he's an awesome singer. He's um, he was in a bunch of uh, bands. The Nashville Ramblers was one of his big, bigger bands that kind of made it. And um, so he invited me to start singing with them. And so I started going and playing music with that band. Um, and in doing that, got connected with all of those people in that band, which were uh, Dave Fleminger. Um, he's a keyboardist in San Diego. who plays with Alvino and the Dwells and quite a few other bands, the Amandas. Um, and uh, Richard Larson is the drummer on that album. And he's amazing. I love him <laughs> every time. Like I love so many drummers in San Diego, but there's just something about his energy on stage. Like, a live performance with T-Bone is like, <laughs> it's like no other. Yeah. Um, and Pete Meisner, who was also, he was in, oh God, I'm like blanking on all of their bands, but um, Pete Meisner, Dave Fleminger, Chris Davies, Ron Silva, and uh, Richard Larson. And that's it, right? Keyboards, <laughs> two guitars. <laughs> bass drums yeah um yeah so they they all started to chime in on the songs and so it's kind of cool like I love the process of seeing how a song goes from like it's uh okay and then some other people join in and you're like oh this is a great song now <laughs> so um yeah so it's uh that's who's on that album and definitely uh a learning experience that recording because that was the first time I'd ever recorded in a professional studio. Mm. Um, and we just did it live on an eight track in live in studio. And um, Dean Reese recorded it. Um, and then uh, Fleminger uh, mastered and mixed it, mixed and mastered it. Mm. So, yeah. It's amazing. And before I forget, I'm going to post your, um, socials in the comments so everybody can check out the album. I really loved it. Um, were you performing with this group as a band live prior to doing the album or um, was the band pulled together specifically to, to create the album? Uh, no, I was performing with that band um, prior to the album. Mm -hmm. um, we played mainly as Ron and the Reapers. And so we'd do cover band show or cover three hour cover gigs at bars and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then um, every once in a while, we'd throw in some originals. We did play like, we played for about a year before we released the the EP. Mm -hmm. So we, we formed in 2018 and we played one gig as Chloe Lou and the something something and then changed that name off. <laughs> it was yeah. too confusing for people. <laughs> oh. So, well, tell me about the process of um, the San Diego Music Awards. So the album comes out. What was, um, how were you building hype about it? How were you promoting it? Um, I'm not familiar with process with the, with the awards. Even, you know, we've had a lot of the award winners come on um, and talk about it, but I'm really curious to kind of know what the behind the scenes process is with that and everything you went through. Well, honestly, I'm, really bad at promoting myself. I will 
I'm getting better. I'm trying to be better. And I just started a Patreon. So I'm kind of forced to do it on a regular basis now, which has been actually really good for me because I needed that kind of structure a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was released the day of Art Around Adams and we played at Art Around Adams and I tried to like coincide (laughs) things with that. I never actually planned a, an album release show. We did like a s- kind of soft release show mm-hmm. at Bar Pink one night with the Downs family. Um, but yeah, I didn't quite promote it as much as it probably should have. And um, I passed the uh, CD on to Liz Abbott at the Troubadour. And then Frank Kocher wrote a really nice review about the album. Um, and that was 2019. So yeah, it was because it released, I released it summer of 2019. It was June. And um, I don't know, it was just exciting to see my name on Spotify too. So that was a whole other thing. Um, but other than that, to be honest, I sent it to the San Diego Music Awards and then found out I was nominated a couple months later. And and then that was pretty much it, <laughs> to be honest. And then they they reached out um, a few times about the um, the the showcases for nominees, um, mm-hmm. but I had to pass up on those. Mm-hmm. And then everything shut down anyway, and they didn't even have the awards. So yeah, yeah. Um, but I saw I saw on social media I saw your uh, the viewing party that you had, so you celebrated. Right. The viewing party. Oh yeah. Yeah. With, <laughs> with Lauren and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where we just hung out and I got dressed up. I wore the dress that I bought for actually, I, that wasn't even the dress I bought for that, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I bought that dress to wear for um, a belly up show. Cause I was a uh, um, featured performer for the beat farmers hoot nanny mm-hmm. that um, in January of last year. And I was singing a song called gold mine that Buddy Blue used to sing. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to wear this velvet gold dress. And then last minute chickened out because I don't know. (laughs) It was tight. (laughs) It was a, it was a form fitting dress. It wasn't like a fit and flare like I normally wear. So yeah, but I got to wear it at home (laughs) with Lauren. Nice, nice. Well, things all seem to turn out with the album anyways, despite any, you know, perceived lack of promoting it it just kind of naturally unfolded that way but um it really is a a great album it's really well done so thank you so um are you planning a follow-up anytime soon yeah okay so the begin that was what kind of derailed last year was i had started to we we had a list of songs we were going to start well I had a list of songs for the band that we were going to start recording and I had kind of a wishy-washy plan of releasing a single like every couple months like I was like oh I'll release a single in June and then I'll release another one like because June kind of corresponded it was I was supposed to be on the cover of the Troubadour in June and then performing at their annual um, fundraiser at Tio Leo's but that got canceled and then my cover story got pushed back. Um, and uh, so I I had a plan for some recording and it still hasn't happened, but I've started to write again with Davies recently. So mm-hmm. there's 
that a bit. I pulled out my piano and and have been faking my way through writing. <laughs> yeah. Again, that's what I'd call it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think you will kind of continue um, working on it this way? Or do you feel like you're kind of waiting for things to evolve to a certain, like, I don't know, pace of life again? Or are you just kind of taking it at your own pace? I'm kind of taking it at my own pace. To be honest, it's, I struggle a lot with depression. And I go through really excited phases of like, I'm gonna get this done. We're gonna do this. We're finally gonna release these songs. And then it'll fall by the wayside for a month or two. Um, and I'm trying to push through that. And it's, I've been in a better place lately. So it's definitely I've taken a lot more steps in the last couple weeks than I have probably in the entire last entire year <laughs> um, to start getting getting in the studio. Um, my partner is actually a, a sound engineer. So I really have no excuse for not getting into the studio because I have access to <laughs> three different studios. So yeah. it's uh, it's me that is just going at my own pace at this point. Yeah. Um, but I'm hopeful that in the next couple weeks that I can at least get a little bit of professional stuff finished um and if not that's okay because yeah. gotta it take is it okay. as it is I, yeah. I think I've, I've talked to so many people and there's, there's like this guilt and shame around you know not having like you know put a new album together or been writing prolifically you know throughout all of this but I just I really think that you know taking it at your own pace especially when it comes to art and being original and being creative you just kind of have to do most of it when the mood strikes. I mean, I, I know that you do have to kind of, um, you know, jump in there and get the ball rolling with things, but you know, your best work is going to come when it comes. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, and that's definitely been my philosophy in life. Usually. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think there was definitely a pressure after, after like the announcement of the winners that I was like, Oh no, I should have, <laughs> I should have had this ready <laughs> and had something out so that if people enjoyed that, they could go to my next thing. Mm -hmm. And I have a backlog of song. Like, it's not like we don't have anything to record. We've got probably an album and a half's worth a full length album and a half's worth. And it's just, a, I, I definitely go through a lot of self-doubt too. So there's a lot of that fight back um, of constantly being like, well, I don't know, this isn't good enough now. Or like, I don't know. But that's it, always, I think everybody goes through that. And it's definitely, um, it's definitely more present this year. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think partially I maybe am holding back because I'm waiting for things to be in a place that's more comfortable or more, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Cause a part of me is like, it should be easier because I don't have the pressure of having to go and perform them a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, yeah. It know. makes sense though, because 
the way things were, you know, we're in our, um, we're in our, you know, musical community. We have our, our, you know, peers, our friends and everything. And we're kind of, that builds momentum. It builds momentum to get projects done because you know, you're going to be seeing certain people who are expecting certain things from you, who are excited about things, who want to get involved in it. But, you know, nowadays we're just so much more isolated than we normally are. So we're just kind of left to um, think and think about these things, you know, without so much of the like, you know, social support. But, you know, yeah. it'll, come, it'll come when it comes. You know, I, yeah. I really think that probably in the coming years, some pretty amazing stuff is going to come out just because this has been or last year was a pretty good year for uh material so oh totally yeah i mean the amount of i i don't know if i don't know if i think lauren is who told me that there were like 400 and something submissions for the san diego music awards this year which is like way more than usual i don't think that there's usually that many um so that's exciting because that'll be i mean it's exciting that everybody's taking this time to to write and stuff too. Um, I did some writing, I just didn't do anything with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's okay, it's coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well, let's walk back then um, and kind of talk a little bit about your, um, your history and your musical journey. And did you grow up in a musical family and how did you, what was your trajectory into singing? Um, I... I would say that my my family's semi-musical. My grandpa loved to sing, and he was a really powerful singer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and my dad is a very supportive fan, and um, he was very good friends with all the guys from the Beat Farmers. And so I grew up with a lot of musicians around me. Um, so I got exposed to a lot of that, but I definitely didn't come out of my, I, I sang a lot in elementary school. I did the talent shows and, and in middle school, I did a couple talent shows, but I never, I did a, a choir in fifth grade. And then it wasn't until late middle school that I did some musical theater and, and kind of tried that out for a little bit. I played in the orchestra and, Oops, sorry, hit the microphone. Um, played in the orchestra and did art mostly. Um, and it wasn't until after high school that I started to get more confident, I guess, to get out there. I had moved back in with my dad, and um, he is very encouraging um, and was just put the you put the bug in in my brain of hey you sing all the time you should do something with that <laughs> um and so i joined what i thought was the grossmont jazz vocal ensemble okay and then i showed up and everybody had instruments and i was like oh, i'm in the wrong place <laughs> and paul kirikawa was the um band leader at the time I don't know if he still is uh and he was like well are you a singer and I was like yeah and I'm like thinking to myself but I can't read sheet music and I know that's what they're what they're gonna need um but I faked my way through it because apparently he had no idea that I couldn't say that I couldn't read sheet music nice um 
I just found versions of songs because <laughs> I uh, didn't know how to read sheet music and I still don't. I mean, I guess I can fake my way through it. I can read it once I figure out where I am. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it wasn't until I took music theory with him the next semester that he was like, well, you can read sheet music though. Why are you in this class? And I was like, I can't do <laughs> <know> anything. <laughs> But that's how I also found out that I had a good ear and that I like I know when something's wrong and um, I'm definitely uh, still learning as thing as time goes on. Um, but yeah, I kind of went from there. Um, someone in in that jazz ensemble um, asked me to join a disco band, and I tried it, and I and then I got an opportunity through Craigslist to join a band that was already gigging and um, they had a lot of weddings on the books and it was, I had never been paid to sing. So I was just like, Oh, I can get paid to sing. Wow. For three hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was like a whole new thing. Uh, I was like 20, 21 around that time. And then I just did that cover band for, longer than I probably should have. I love them to death. And I, but uh, I, I, um, yeah, I stayed in that cover band until a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, it just kind of things, I guess, kind of snowballed in a way because I wasn't doing, I was just doing the cover band. And then every once in a while I would do some little, one-off project um I, I had joined a band um an original band that i ended up just realizing it wasn't for me because they did kind of a no doubt kind of thing that and wanted more of a more of a like eye candy singer than i think i was presenting <laughs> for them i guess i don't know I'm I'm a bigger lady and I'm also like I don't I'm not a, I dress up. I dress up very nicely. Um and I enjoy glamour and glitz. Um but that's not for everybody. <laughs> Some people want to you know the the hot girl or the typical hot girl. I think I'm hot, but you know. <laughs> We're hot. Yes. Um <laughs> but uh <laughs> that was kind of my first insight into the uh oh people my age are looking for somebody to look at in a lot of the, a lot of the time, which isn't the case. I think it was that moment in my life of like, okay, so this is maybe not for me or I don't know. I just had a, a couple bad instances of, I don't know. Those, those asshole band leaders that yeah. were like, Oh, you know, you would be so great. Like you would be like hard to stop. You would be un unstoppable if you just lost some weight. And I'd be like, oh, Jesus. okay, then this isn't <laughs> the band for me. <laughs> oh, so, um, yeah, I, I don't know where all of that was going. Um, I guess just the, the snowballing of like, mm -hmm. I was in this cover band that did, you know, corporate -y, type um corporate type gigs i would mm -hmm. say because we 
kind of lost it after a little while we lost our manager and then after that it just kind of became a bar gig once a month kind of thing um and I just kept staying with them because I wasn't doing anything else and then uh when I started working with Davies was kind of when everything kind of took off I well I wouldn't say took off (laughs) it took a couple years to to get comfortable yeah singing my original stuff but now uh yeah I had gone from not ever it was always just a hobby to having it be my my main job um which was exciting yeah yeah. (laughs) um but yeah I love I love to hear these stories of how these things unfold um so you've been in a lot of bands it sounds like I'm curious to know prior to um you know working in a band what was your what were your musical influences then and then as you worked through these bands were you being you know influenced by them especially if there was you know anything original in nature and then what what was uh what were you listening to when you were creating your album okay so three-step question (laughs) this is it's kind of a weird so my dad is very he likes all the really weird stuff like captain beefheart and like he was very uh and well not was or is because he's not he likes pop music too he likes the beatles and he likes pink floyd um but he was also very like into the weird underground stuff and and then i would i would do impersonations impersonations of mark boland from t-rex all the time as like a middle schooler i'd do the like you're gonna look fine <laughs> and do all these weird things with my voice and would just try to copy people that uh-huh. i thought sounded cool and different um and then when i joined the cover band i realized I had never really listened to top 40s music in my whole life. Okay. <laughs> I, had got, I had listened to country, like the the popular country, because my aunt and uncle that I would stay with a lot, they were very, the KSON was always on. And Trisha Yearwood was the first album I ever bought. I was in second grade. I remember picking it out and my dad being like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. And because he, he was not into pop country. <laughs> But then he would introduce me to older, like I was in second grade listening to Patsy Cline. And so he would introduce me to like, he'd be like, oh, you like that? Well, you might like this better. And this is what I think is the better version of that. (laughs) So like I asked for the the Bewitched album. There was that band that was like B-Star Witched. And it was a four-person Irish four-girl band when I was in like second or third grade. Okay. And I asked for this album for Christmas and my dad got me the Coors album instead. Cause he was, he was like, if you're going to listen to some Irish ladies singing and playing instruments, you should listen to the real stuff, not the pop stuff. Not like your dad. <laughs> yeah, no, he was very, <laughs> I do too. <laughs> he sounds fun. <laughs> and I was always really eclectic cause I would listen to what was popular like on the radio as a kid. And then I'd come home and my dad would be playing old jazz stuff and Ella Fitzgerald and uh, the Louis Prima Keeley Smith stuff. Or the, it, so it was always a different thing um, with my dad. 
And then as I learned the top 40s stuff, um, I I mean, that was the first time I'd listened to the Eagles. Like I had never listened to stuff that most people grow up with. And I didn't realize that that was stuff most people grew up with. And I was like, I've never heard this song before. And they're like, you've never heard this song? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I remember being like 19 and hanging out with a group of friends and someone put on Fleetwood Mac and I was like, who is this? <laughs> These guys are good. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got on a whole Fleetwood Mac kick. It was the same thing. My my best friend, Michaela, she introduced me to Heart. I had never listened to Heart before. And I'd, it's just so funny to think of now. But I also got to look at all of these weird, The no, I, I keep using the word weird, but it's not weird. It's just, it wasn't the, the stuff that all my friends' parents were listening to. I got a, a whole different perspective on, on the music life too because he was friends with these guys that had kind of almost made it you know the the, well the beat farmers they made it they were on letterman you know right um and so i thought my dad was friends with (laughs) every famous person because of that so i i remember asking my dad one day if he was friends with peter gabriel because he had a poster of peter gabriel on his wall you know (laughs) just weird (laughs) perceptions of <laughs> your parents as godlike figures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, as I started to do more cover band stuff, I dove into different music that I hadn't considered mm-hmm. listening to only because I didn't really have it and nobody ever played it for me. So it wasn't like it was always the assumption that I knew it already because they knew it. Um, And uh, so, yeah. So then. um, Did you like the the pop top 40 stuff? Yeah. Yes and no. It depends. Yeah. (laughs) It depends on genre. I I will say, and I hate, I hate the perception of people who say this, but I do like most kinds of music like Mm -hmm. every kind I would say every kind because I still listen to death metal like I I will listen to the screamy yelly emo music that I listened to in high school like I'm I'm into it (laughs) um I can totally relate to that I mean I I think I have a mood for every style of music if if it suits my mood at the moment I like it yeah I love (laughs) I love a twangy country day. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, I mean, my playlists on Spotify will go from a rap song to a Dixie Chicks song to, oh, sorry, to the Chicks, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to, you know, like some song from a musical. Like it's very all over the place. I definitely um, started to get a lot more influenced by Motown and, um like 60s soul and 60s in general, I just kind of dove into that place of music for a while, um, mainly because I was learning a lot of stuff for Ron and the Reapers, which is their their main repertoire is 60s rock and pop um, and soul. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was listening to a lot of, a lot of that stuff when I wrote, well, I wouldn't say that though, because at the time too, I was listening to a lot of old country and 
um, yeah, I kind of, I, I mean, I switch around from so many things. I'm trying to go back to that point in life. I definitely know that the Beyonce Lemonade album was like a huge mm. part of my day to day. I was listening yeah. to that over and over again. Uh -huh. um, and I do remember being very, yeah, I, I mean, I was just listening to a lot of like um, Shangri-Las and 60s girl groups um, and got really into that for a little while too. But I'm uh, weirdly, I, that point of time too, when I wrote a lot of those songs on that album, I know, well, I can just say castles, castles and shipwrecks. And I'd say the, um, the second song that I've switched the name around so many times, I can't even remember the name of my own song, but the second song on that EP, um, those, those were all, I wrote all of those in a time of my life that I kind of block out. <laughs> so yeah. I don't really remember what I was listening to music wise in weird ways of, and I, I wish I could like I'm I'm realizing that as we're talking I'm like oh I think I've blocked out a lot of my oops sorry a lot of the time uh, <laughs> a lot of that uh, that area of my my uh, life um, that makes so much sense though because I mean the you know the music that's like trending with us at any given point it kind of serves as a milestone down you know or a marker down the road where. You, you listen to something that you haven't listened to in a long time. It takes you right back to that place. And obviously if it's a place you don't, you don't, um, you're not fond of, you know, why yeah. would you, why would you want to go back and recount that? So I, t I totally get that. Yeah. And that album kind of became too like this therapeutic, like, mm -hmm. okay, I lived that and now I've recorded it and now I don't want to touch those songs anymore. Like I, we don't even oh, perform yeah. even, even, uh, even last, the beginning of last year when we were playing gigs, we did a Casbah show. Like this is probably my more memorable original band gig was opening for um, the Midnight Pine and Bertie Bardot at the Casbah. And I think we only played Shipwrecks off of that album. Oh no, we probably played The Story Is Over as well. Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, we we kind of stopped playing some of those songs, especially the first, the first one play the game. It kind of has mixed reactions. It's kind of one of those weird ones of like it, it when we play it live, it's a really powerful song. Um, mm -hmm. But I feel like we have to play it first because it, otherwise it doesn't make sense in a set because it's just such a long or well in live. We do it a lot longer than the album version. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, um, so, if you're not doing the the album songs, are you are you generally doing covers? Oh no, no, I have a bunch of other original okay. music. Yeah, sorry, I I, uh, I yeah, I wrote a lot of songs uh, over the course of 2019, 2020. Yeah. No, 2018, 2019. I think I keep skipping 2020, 2020. That whole ten months of. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, we were we. We play a lot of, uh, the only, um, when we do original gigs, we try to keep covers out of it. 
except for a lot of the time we'll play white rabbit because that's the fun one yeah and it goes with the the set <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah okay very cool well um so if you do you have originals that you were playing or you know would currently be playing in your set that you'd want to carry over into an album is there material you have that you want to record oh yeah that i have probably an album of full-length albums worth wow. of songs um we're working on i have a list of three songs right now that we're going a little more into because um i definitely had gotten burnt out on how many I was gigging a lot and I wasn't really enjoying performing as much as I want to admit. <laughs> I, I don't really want to admit that I was starting, I was starting to hate it. I was starting to get uh, a little burnt out on performing every couple days or every night for a couple of weeks. Um, and, uh, and so I had been a little bit lazy with my songwriting and uh, we've been revisiting a couple of those songs and I've gone back and been working on some lyrics because there were just some inconsistencies in, in some of the newer songs. Um, but yeah, we've got a, a good chunk of songs that um, I've done some home recording and sent off to uh, Davies to do um, some basic start tracks for the rest of the band so that we can get into the studio and start recording. So there's a bunch, <laughs> there's a, there's um, a song that I actually just wrote a couple weeks ago that I'm really feeling. And um, I definitely am excited to, I am actually going to share a little behind the scenes with my Patreon supporters in the next couple of weeks mm. of how that song's being written because I just kind of jammed it out on the piano and sang it and then sent it to Davies and he sent me back a, a guitar and drums and bass on it and it sounded great and so I'm excited to re-record my vocals and piano parts and possibly have a weird little random s single out maybe who yeah. knows seems like that's how everybody's doing it nowadays anyways but yeah that's a good position to be in to have enough material to put together a full album yeah that's definitely i definitely got sidetracked for a while not getting that stuff out and um i mean even with the release of the ep by that time by the time we released that ep we already had that full length amount of original stuff to deal with but It'll be good to be able to pick and choose too. Because mm -hmm. um, I think that's the other the other part of it that I've I, I struggle with as a songwriter is deciding that a song just isn't worth continuing with. Mm -hmm. Like they're my babies, they're my therapy, you know. Yeah. But now, especially with that album with the EP. Like those songs, I mean, I released them into the into the universe, and mm -hmm. I felt them. And now it's time to put those to bed and go on to some new stuff. And I don't know. There's yeah. definitely, yeah. yeah. I was thinking about that while you were, you know, um, talking about 
the album, um, I hope this isn't too weird of a question, but when you, when you've put together an album and it's kind of, you know, it's sealed, it is what it is. It's kind of going to be that way forever. I'm sorry. My eye has decided it's going to cry this entire time. Do you go back and listen to your own stuff? Do you like listening to your own stuff or do you hear it and be like, oh my God, next time I record, um, it's going to sound nothing like this or, or do you love it? I, I have a hard time even listening to my own voice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I, I can't even, it, it's really hard, but I know that I need to do it a lot of the time, especially like going back over performances. But when it comes to that album, there's definitely a lot of things I would have done differently, especially the way we recorded it. We did it all live in studio. So there was really no room to edit anything. Mm -hmm. um, and I've definitely, that's definitely my older music in my head. Like I'm like, Oh, that that's my, like, that's my old stuff. But because I haven't released anything else, it's still my only thing to <laughs> really talk about or like to have as an example. So part of me, I think, uh, and I hate to say this out loud, but it's the truth is that I think part of me doesn't really promote it a lot of the time too, because I'm like, oh, I don't want people to hear this. Like it, it could have been so much better. And it's me, it's not my band at all. It's my like, I hear tones and stuff and things that I wish that I had sung differently or that I had worked on the lyrics a little more. Um, I mean, there's one song on there specifically that I listened back to and I'm like, why didn't I just clarify that those mm -hmm. words? But it was also not supposed to even be on that EP. It was supposed to be a four song EP, <laughs> mm -hmm. but that second song snuck its way in there because we were, we were right in the process of writing it. And we played it while we were in the studio and Dean ended up having us just record it so that we had it, um, which is fine. <laughs> but there's definitely, it's really hard for me to listen back on my own stuff. Yeah. Even, I mean, like Lauren and I definitely, she's really good at being like, stop negative self-talking. Like you're talking negative about your own stuff and it's not okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I, I definitely struggle with a lot of my own self-confidence when it comes to songwriting. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I can really, really relate to that because I think my struggle with, um, songwriting is that I'm never satisfied with it. It's like something will be good ish. But I think to myself as this is going along, I'm like, yeah, this is okay, but I would never listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't want to make somebody else listen to it. <laughs> and that's, yeah. I mean, that's definitely gotten, I I feel that way too much <laughs> more than yeah. I want to admit. But. So what are you listening to right now? What's your like everyday go-to stuff? Um, I have gotten really, and this is going to sound so weird but there's this specific playlist on spotify that their tag for it it's so it's called pollen okay. and the tag for it is that it's genreless music um and it kind of is because there's it'll go from like a it, there's definitely i don't 
I can't even describe it. I've tried to talk to my uh, to Davies about it and describe it to him because he's not on like he doesn't use Spotify at all. Uh-huh. Um, but I'll go through and I'll I'll record I'll tell him about things. There's a band called Big Pig that I've been really digging lately, uh-huh. um, and uh, oh gosh, I forgot her name. I just need to look really quick to see if I can find it. Um, there's a, a another singer that her stuff is described as hip hop grunge. Like okay. it's, it's really interesting. Um, but that's what I listen to all day when I'm working on my art and uh, jewelry making and stuff. Um, Cause that's kind of where I've pivoted as a creator as I've gone from doing music to making stuff with my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but her name is, Oh my gosh. Where's her name? Deb Never. Deb Never. Okay. Um, I really like her song, uh, Someone Else. And then the other one that I've really, I've started to really get into is Arlo Parks. Um, And she's got a really cool style. And I definitely listen to a lot of like St. Vincent. um, And uh, let's see. Lucy Dacus, I really like her. Um, a lot of like the just the kind of angry girl music <laughs> is like my that's my love. <laughs> I really liked, um, yeah, I, I've been in Angel Olsen, that kind of yeah, angry but also sad. It's lots of sad music, <laughs> moody stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Very yeah. nice. Moody that kind of crosses into hip hop a little bit too, which is kind of fun. Um, Um, Well, I'm definitely going to check out that playlist because I'm like, um, I'm between moods right now. I'm, I'm having a big mood shift. So stuff that I've been listening to for like the past six months or something, I'm now at that point where I'm like, "Mm, I'm not feeling this anymore. So something will hit eventually, but I'll check out Colin. Sorry. (laughs) Um, I am going to, again, post your social media links um, in the comments. Um, But you want to talk about, you know, where you'd like to direct people to go to check out your music and where should they be following you for future coming music? Um, So my general Instagram is probably the best place to find all of the different things that I'm doing. my uh which is just the underscore chloe underscore lou um or my my band's uh website chloe lou and the liddells mm-hmm. um i do need to update it a bit um because it's still pre-pandemic <laughs> <laughs> um but uh i'm actually really trying to promote my patreon right now okay. um which is just patreon.com slash chloe lou um i have three levels of tiers and I release a monthly print um, and it's an original piece of artwork that I get printed on really nice paper mm-hmm. uh, in like the archival inks. And um, that is hand mailed and I write a little note to each subscriber at that level. Um, but it also, my Patreon also has, well, it also will have a lot of behind the scenes stuff Um unreleased live shows that I've done. Um, I've been actually working on clipping up. I played at a 
a place called Harvard and Stone in LA in at the end of 2019. And we got a really nice recording um, from that, uh, from their house uh, recording. And so I've been clipping that up and getting ready to kind of release those as like little demo tracks um, that are just exclusive for the Patreon subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, my Patreon is my main thing right now um, since I've been kind of focused more on art than than music can lately. You your artwork anywhere? I mean, is there anywhere online that people can check out? Um, yeah, like, on, actually see it on Patreon. Yeah, it uh, it's on Art of Chloe Lou, my Instagram page. Oh, okay. Um, and then I do sometimes post stuff on my personal Instagram as well. 